So um, today our scripture reading is going to be from uh, 2 Corinthians um, chapter 7 from 8 to uh, 11. But I'm going to read it to you in Arabic. So hopefully you guys will enjoy that and understand me. So قرأتنا المقدسة من لوقا 2 وتقول هذا لإني وان كنت قد أحزنتكم برسالة ليست أندم مع إني أندم فإني أرى تلك الرسالة وأحزنكم ولو إلى الساعة Thank you Let's, uh, let's bow our head for prayer نشكرك يا سوء لأنك أنت إله قدوس إله محبة رب نباركك لأنك أنت إله عطوف ليس لنا سواك يا رب باركنا بارك السبت المقدس بارك هذا المجتمع وباركنا لأنك أنت إله قدوس أبين جيس نيم أمين People are always asking me why. Why do the same thing every year? Why not move on? And I say, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Johnny? Present. I'm comfortable. I know the routine. And I don't want to brag, but I'm pretty popular around here. I do really well in sports. I'm just very successful yes. here. Why would I go and mess that up by graduating? B. B. I mean, in the first grade, I may not know all the answers. D. D. Dog. E. The hours are longer. I hear they don't even have nap time. I mean, I just don't see the upside. Then first grade leads to second grade, second to third. Then you're in high school reading boring books with no pictures. Three, four, five. But he was still hungry. Next thing you know, people expect you to get a job and give up summer vacation. <laughs> no, sir. I think I found my niche. Thank you very much. Home sweet kindergarten. Besides, I mean, what if I failed first grade? How humiliating would that be? Just don't think I could handle that kind of embarrassment. That was not a good choice. Very disappointed. All right. Um, funny video, right? Uh, but it's not really funny when it comes to our faith uh, still being in kindergarten as well. Uh, some of us, we have been a Christian or have been calling ourselves Christian. Some of us have been coming out to church for a very, very, very long time. But our faith is actually no different than this gentleman here. We're still doing very, very elementary things. Right? We don't want to fail. We don't want to actually grow up spiritually. But if you actually saw Johnny, 
right? In your kid's classroom, you would be like, okay, you need to, you need to get out of kindergarten. Like, you need to grow up. You need to actually step forward. But for some reason, when we come to church, when we talk about spirituality, it seems like we're okay with people just being in kindergarten. That people being stuck in elementary stuff. And so that's why we started our series, because we don't want to be like Johnny, right? We want to take, even if it's one small step this year, we want to take steps forward in our spiritual walk. Where we're not stuck like Johnny, where we're not scared like Johnny, even though we have failed before, we want to step forward. Today, I'm going to talk about something uh, that we, uh, as a church, don't talk about very often. Uh, there are several reasons why. Uh, one of the reasons is because, number one, um, it's an uncomfortable topic, but you guys are maybe used to me always talking about uncomfortable stuff anyways. Um, but it's, 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 I guess it's pretty offensive, and it's very uncomfortable. Uh, but another reason why uh, people don't talk about it too often uh, is it's because uh, people don't really understand it very well. But it is so, so important uh, for us to talk about it. Number one, because uh, Jesus talks about it. Because everybody, in the, everybody else in the Bible talks about it. And so we need to talk about it. Uh, but secondly, because if you want to take a step forward, if you don't want to be like Johnny and be stuck in your faith or stuck to elementary stuff, uh, then you actually need to actually uh, do this thing that we're going to talk about. I'm going to show you the word. And I want to know what you guys think. So think about what comes into your mind. Are you uncomfortable? Or are you confused when you see this word? The word that we're going to talk about today is called repentance. Okay? Whenever we talk about the word repentance, uh, there's a lot of different opinions. Lord Byron, he's supposed to be, I don't know him that very well, but uh, according to Wikipedia, they say he's one of the greatest uh, British poets. Some of you guys who likes uh, literature and English, maybe you know Lord Byron. He says this about repentance. He says, only the weak repent. So he didn't have a very, very good uh, opinion about repentance. He says, no, only the weak people do that. But Shakespeare, he says something very different or very uh, contrasting. In one of his characters, he, doesn't, he, uh, he writes this. The character says, I'll repent immediately, for I may be out of heart soon. And I won't have the strength to repent. So it's really interesting. They're both poets, but we see Lord Byron, he says, come on, repentance, are you kidding me? That's only for weak people. Only weak people do that. Uh, whereas Shakespeare, he actually says, no, it takes tremendous courage to repent. If I don't do it right now, then I don't know when I'm actually going to do it. So I need to do it right now. Our modern uh, view we have uh, probably sides with Lord uh, Byron much more, right? This idea of repentance, uh, that it's actually for the weak. I don't know how many of you guys know this quote. It's actually very, very popular these days. Uh, it's... Uh, a lot of atheists uh, use this quote quite a bit. Uh, and this is the quote. It matters not how straight 
the gate, narrow, how narrow the gate is, how charged with punishment the squirrel. I am the master, oh shoot, sorry. I am the master of my faith. I am the captain of my soul, William E. Henley. What is he saying? He's basically saying this. He's saying, no, you know, the Bible talks about how there's a narrow gate, but he's saying it doesn't matter. The Bible talks about all of these different laws and you're going to be punished according to that. He says, no, no. I am the master. I decide. I am the captain. I decide what is right or wrong. I am the arbiter or the judge over what's right or what's wrong. So this idea of repentance in our modern society, it doesn't really make sense, right? Because if I am the master of my faith, if I decide what is right or wrong, what's, what's the point of repentance? And so there's maybe people who might be not hostile to the idea of repentance, but more than that, maybe it's just a puzzlement or it just doesn't really make sense. Why? Because I am the captain. I am the master. But the Bible actually cites probably more with Shakespeare. The Bible actually goes further and says that repentance is going to be the most important action that you can do to produce spiritual growth. So today... We're going to go into it. Uh, you guys all understood what Maggot said, right? Because all of you guys are fluent in Arabic. Uh, it's from 2 Corinthians. And just to give you a kind of a background of 2 Corinthians really quickly, because if we understand the background, we understand our scripture reading uh, today a little bit better. So basically, Paul, during one of his mission trips, actually his second mission trip, he actually plants a church in the city of Corinth. And that's why it's called Corinthians right, to the people of Corinth. So he plants a church there, and then he goes back and he travels and goes to other mission fields and plants other churches. But he gets news hearing that people of Corinthians, they're not following Paul's instructions anymore, okay? They're actually starting to backslide. And so Paul gets pretty upset about this, and he writes what we have called the first Corinthians. Okay, he gets a report. He writes the first Corinthians. And that's why in first Corinthians, if you read it, he tells them, don't do this, don't do this. This is all the stuff you guys are messing around with. But remember love. Okay? Now, the Corinthians, they get the letter, but a lot of them, they're very unhappy with what Paul said. So they actually go, what does Paul know? And so they disregard the letter, most of them. So what happens? Um, he visits them in person. He says, okay, letter is not working. I'm going to go and visit you guys. And he calls this the painful visit. He says, remember when I visited you and it was a painful visit? Why? Because he had to go and correct them. And so it was very painful. He comes back. And after that, he writes another letter to them. And again, he says, I wrote the letter in tears and anguish. Now, this is what we call 2 Corinthians, but we don't actually have it. Okay? It's not in the Bible. We actually don't have this letter. Okay? 
And then, after he writes this letter, they actually respond and they actually repent. And so because of that, he is so, so happy. And so he writes them another letter, which is 2 Corinthians, what we have today. Okay, does that make sense? I know it's a little confusing. Okay, 1 Corinthians that we have today is 1 Corinthians, first letter he sent. Second letter, we don't have. Third letter, he actually has. Okay, why is this important? Because this is what he says. For even if I made you grieve with my letter, I do not regret it. Do you see what he says? He's saying, I sent you that letter and it made you really sad. And I was sad that I had to send you that letter. But now I'm no longer sad. I don't regret it anymore. Why? He says this. As it is, I rejoice, not because you were grieved, but because you were grieved into repenting. So he's saying, I'm not sad that I have sent you this very difficult letter that I have visited you because it has turned you into repenting. Now, he's going to talk about what repenting is and what repenting isn't. And this is what, we're, what we want to know as well. What is repentance and what isn't repentance? He goes on, he says, For godly sorrow produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret. Whereas worldly sorrow produces death. So Paul talks about two different types of sorrow. Okay? So a lot of us, when we think of repentance, we just think of someone who's very, very sad. And who's very contrite in their heart. But Paul says, no, 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 no. There's a fake sorrow, fake sadness. And there is actually a godly repentance or godly sorrow. So how do we know we're actually, if we're repenting with godly sorrow? Or if we're actually repenting with this worldly sorrow? Well, this is when... Uh, Greek becomes very, very important. The first word that we're going to talk about together, because Paul actually uses two different words. The word that he uses for worldly repentance is what we call, okay, can you guys read it for me? That's easy, right? M-E-T-A-M-E-L-O-M-I, right? Metalomia. Okay, meta, melomia. Okay, that literally means after care. Okay, meta meaning after, and then melomia means uh, care. So what is it saying? He's saying this is worldly sorrow. This is the type of sorrow or sadness you get, not necessarily because of the action of your sin, but because of the consequences. Okay, the best, best, the best example is this. Do you ever catch, okay, the, the ones, the parents here, do you ever catch your kid doing something bad? And they say sorry, but they're not really sorry for the action that they did, but they're sorry because they got caught. Okay? Because they know, they know that they're going to get meme, right? Because they know they're going to get punished or they're going to they're going to be grounded. It's not really for the action itself that they're sad about. It's really just the consequence. So you only care, okay, about yourself. The consequences, that's going to happen to you. So here are some of the things we say. 
oh man, my parents are going to be so mad. Oh man, I'm going to be grounded. Or we say something like this, if it's our wife or husband, oh shoot, I'm probably going to, she's probably not going to make food for me. Or I probably have to sleep outside. Or maybe friends, or even yourself, you go, oh man, it's going to be so awkward. Oh man, I'm so dumb. I keep making the same mistake. So it's this, this kind of uh, repentance or sorrow that you get. So again, it's not about the level of sorrowness. This person, according to worldly sorrow, this person at the moment might be super duper sad. He might be crying, okay? But what's the reason for their sorrow? It's really selfish. It's what am I losing? What are my consequences? I'm going to be in an awkward position if I continue to do this. So it really becomes just about me, 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 me. And as you guys know, and as I know, that doesn't change people. Why? Number one, it's purely emotional. So you might be super duper sad, you might be crying because of the consequences, but once you get over the consequence or your emotion, you start feeling better and better, then you just do the same action over and over and over again. And so that's why a lot of us, we might go into a certain sin, we might have some habits, we go, oh, man, I need to get over this. A lot of times, we actually don't do the godly sorrow, but for us, we're just sad because of the consequences that we have to face. And that's why we're not growing. That's, not, we're, that's why we're not gaining victory over sin and addictions and habits. It's just the emotional cry out. We feel bad at that moment for maybe a month even, but it doesn't deeply change us. But the other word he uses is metalomia. Metalomia. Now this means after mind. The emphasis is on the mind. You're thinking about the action itself. You're thinking, if I continue to do this action, it's not only damaging only to myself, but it's damaging to the relationship itself. This action is hurting people. This action is creating friction. I'll give you an example. So again, I'll use an example with me and Grace. Again, worldly, worldly, worldly sorrow, worldly sadness. Let's say I get really impatient with her. And I use the word impatience a lot just because I really am super duper impatient. If you ever uh, talked to me before, I'm super duper impatient. And so I, I lash out on Grace all the time. And so, okay, so when I'm worldly sorrow, then again, these are the things I'm thinking. Oh, man, she's going to be just so upset. I have to, like, keep saying sorry to her. I have to, like, probably buy her stuff. Or I have to, like, like egg-yo, egg-yo me, like, acting cute. Uh, you know, I have to do that stuff. I have to, like, act like I really am sorry. You know, like, 
Or maybe she won't make me food. I have to make my own food. I have to sleep out in the couch. Okay? Again, the focus is really myself. I'm not upset that I hurt her. I'm really upset of the consequences of the things that's going to affect me negatively. But this is godly sorrow. Godly sorrow says, man, I really love grace. I don't know why I keep hurting her. I see that every time I lash out on her and get angry at her, I see her face and I see that she's so upset. That someone she loves is so impatient with her. I know that if I continue to do this, that it's going to mess up our relationship. That it's going to separate me from her. You see, the first one, worldly sorrow, it deals with just yourself. What can I do? What are the things that I'm losing? Whereas godly sorrow, you're thinking about the relationship. You're thinking about how God feels when I do this. Again, we talked about what repentance is and what repentance isn't. Now, we're going to go into what does it look like and how do we actually do repentance? Psalms 32, I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquities. I said... I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Uh, this is a psalm written by King David. And as we know, he was a man who made a lot of mistakes. And yet at the same time, the Bible continues to say he's a man who's following after God's heart. Again, why is that? It's because every single psalm that you see written... Okay, like many of us, he does something that many of us actually do not do. Okay, many of us, whenever we sin, there's a couple of several things. There's actually seven things, but I, I forgot the seven things, so I'll just list a couple of things. The first thing that we do is we blame shift, which is we say, it's your fault, or it's your fault. Oh, I only got mad because, Grace, you're doing this, this, this. Okay, or this is just happening because that's, it's my parents' fault. That's how they raised me. Or if she didn't get that angry, I wouldn't have gotten angry. Why does she continue to make that mistake? So it's to blame shift. Another thing that we do is we criticize people so that we feel a little better. So it's similar to blame shifting, but we say things like, well, I did it. I did something bad. But look at my other church member who's sitting next to me. Dude, this guy or this girl so much worse than me. So we start actually comparing ourselves to other people. Why? Because we feel better. Okay, I know this is going to sound a little cynical, but what do you think we watch news? Okay, and most of the time, why do you think we are attracted or, okay, let me say this. 90% of the news that we watch, it's not positive news, right? It's usually very negative news. 
Why is that? It's because people, human beings, we like bad news. Why? Because we feel better about ourselves. Just my theory. But that's the reason I think we like bad news. Again, and this is what we do with ourselves as well. We go, okay, I don't feel good. I feel guilty. I feel shame. So I'm going to look at other people to feel better about myself. But what does David do? David does not say that. David doesn't say, well, my, my dad, Jesse, you know, he put me out in the shepherd, you know, like lamb, and he didn't treat me. No, he doesn't do that. He doesn't say, well, Bathsheba, you know, like, come on, wear some clothes. doesn't say that. What does he say? I acknowledge my sin. I do not try to cover it up. I confess. And so this is the first part of repentance. No excuses. No blame shifting. Just confess your sin. It's not ignoring it. It's not hiding in the bushes like Adam and Eve. But it's actually just coming to God and saying, here's my trash. Here's my stuff. Most of us, we have a difficult time doing that. Because a lot of times we feel like, okay, I got I to gotta show that I'm really sorry before I actually come to Jesus. Because I, I, I mean, I know that I'm going to make mistakes over and over again. I know that I'm going to go into the sin over and over again. So I'll just wait a little bit. I'll just, I'll, I'll do it after like this, you know, this, like I finish this job or this project or when I get a little older or my, we always make excuses. We always say a little bit later, I'll do it. So we have a difficult time coming to God, right? Wouldn't it be nice, parents, uh, if like your kid like messes up? Because you know, like kids and even us included, what do we do when we mess up? We try to hide it, right? But wouldn't it be so nice if your kid actually came up to you and said, Dad, I messed up. Instead of saying, well, you know, did I really mess up, Dad? Or did I, did I really, did you really say that, Mom? Uh, Adam and Eve, when they were confronted, they did the same exact thing that we, we have been doing. We are no different. So it's easy for us to just hide. It's e easy for us to not confess. It's easy for us to try to blame other people. But repentance really starts off with this idea that we acknowledge and we confess openly to God. And we have to understand, even this process, it can't, we, can't, we could never perfectly do it. We can only do it when we come in front of God. But it doesn't just stop here, okay? Because a lot of people could just get stuck right here on this level. Okay? But don't just stop here. Repentance is not just feeling sorry, but it's above that. It's one more. He continues. He says, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. So this is how I want you to remember repentance. Repentance, okay, and I know in the beginning this is going to sound a little contradictory. Repentance is uncovering and covering. Okay, I know that sounds weird, but repentance... This is what I want you to remember is 
uncovering and covering. Uncovering, we talked about it, it's to uncover. It's not to put blames or anything else, but it's to come boldly in front of God and say, God, this is the stuff that I'm struggling with. Okay, I have failed again. I'm not going to blame anybody else. No excuses. I come uncovered. But when we see that when we go in front of God, when we go in front of Jesus, that He's the one who actually covers us. And so that's why repentance, it doesn't just end with me. It doesn't just end with my stuff, but it ends with what God has done, what God is doing. Again, we talked about this last week. It is easy for us to get just stuck on ourselves, And so that's why we get just stuck on worldly sorrow, where I just go, it's me, 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 me. I need to feel bad. I need to show God uh, that I'm really sorry. I need to do this. No, 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 no. That's how you get despondent. That's when repentance becomes a very dreary thing. Because in the end, that kind of repentance, it just becomes you beating yourself up. No one likes that. And that's why we don't repent. Because it becomes this dreary thing. Oh, like, I just need to feel more bad and more bad and more bad. No, no, no. That's not repentance. Repentance, true repentance, godly repentance is uncover but to remember that you are actually covered by the blood of Jesus. This is when you look at Jesus. You see, when you go to Him, that you don't have to pay for your sins because He has paid them. You see that you can be covered, not because of anything that you have done, but because Jesus has been stripped for you. You realize, and this, is, and this is the beauty, and this is where you really experience God. You really experience peace. And you start really thanking God for who He is. Because you, when you come with nothing, when you come with no excuses, when you come with, well, God, look at all the stuff that I did. Like, if you, you just come and you say, there, I got nothing. And then when you hear God's voice saying, this is why I came. This is why I'm dying for you on the cross. This is why I want to cover you. That's when you experience this joy and freedom that nothing else, nothing else can afford. You know, Psalm David actually, in other verses, he talks about how, like his, he actually says his bone is aching because of this guilt that he's holding on to. And he has a hard time sleeping. And a lot of us, we carry around that guilt and shame. Even though we say, we are the captain, we are the master of our faith, we carry around tremendous guilt and shame around. And a lot of the things that we do, we are motivated by guilt and shame. And there is just restlessness in our hearts. So how do you know if you're doing worldly sorrow or if you're doing this godly sorrow? This is the best hint. When you repent, 
do you come out more sad, more beaten up, with lower self-confidence? Then most likely, that's going to be worldly sorrow, worldly repentance. You have only focused on yourself. But when you come out of repentance, refreshed, feeling free, feeling at peace, having confidence to go forward, to try again and again, that's when you know that you have been forgiven by God. This is what Ellen White says in Steps to Christ, and this is what she says about uh, repentance. If you see your sinfulness, do not wait to make yourself better. There is hope for us only in God. We must not wait for a stronger persuasion or for better opportunities. We cannot, we can do nothing of ourselves. We must come to Christ just as we are. Just come with all your stuff, all your junk, all your sins. Come in front of Him. When Satan comes to tell you that you are a great sinner, look up to your Redeemer and talk of His merits. And this is the key, guys. This whole growth series that we're going to do, essentially it really comes down to this. We have to continue to look to God. If we look at ourselves, we're not going to get anywhere. Why? Because that's Satan's tactic. He's okay, you coming to church. He's okay that you feel sorry for your sins as long as you just stay there. As long as he can keep his eyes away from God and just towards you, he's okay with that. He's okay if you compare yourself with other people. Satan's happy with that. No, what we need to do, we need to look at Satan in the eye and say, you're exactly right. Everything you say is exactly right. I am horrible. I am a sinner. But I look to Jesus, who's dying for me on the cross. That which will help you is to look at His light. When we see the length of chain that was let down for us, when we understand something of the infinite sacrifice that Christ had made in our behalf, then, then our heart is melted with tenderness and contrition. This is what is going to change us. This is what's going to make us step forward. This is how we can get out of our kindergarten faith. This is how we don't become like Johnny and we say, God, I want to move forward. I want to just take one small step forward. This is how you see victories in your life. When you understand Jesus' love, that you don't, because when you're looking at the cross, you don't go just, oh, but you go, why are you dying? You're dying because of my sin. Then sin doesn't become just a trivial thing anymore. Sin is not just, oh, I'm just harming, harming myself anymore, but it's harming God. It's breaking God's heart. When you know that, but when you know that and still He's willing to die for you, 
That's what changes our hearts. That's what melts us. As we go into time of reflection, okay, listen. When I tell you guys to repent, I know the things immediately you're going to be like, I did this, I did this, I did this, I did this, and you're just going to be stuck on that. But don't be stuck on that. Say, God, this is what you're doing. This is what you're doing. This is who you are. Focus on God. Focus on Jesus who is dying for you. Let's go into time of reflection.